Welcome back to an all-new episode of Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Madeline Davies. I'm your other co-host, Megan Reynolds. And today, we're talking about the very good boys and girls of cinema. <gasps> Yay! Celebrity animals. The best kind of celebrity is an animal, if you ask me. This is an idea that I had in the dead of the night. <laughs> um, and... I'm really glad that we're going to be doing it. Who doesn't love a dog? Well, one person who loves a dog is our guest, who is Brian Hargrove. <laughs> he is a producer, playwright, and writer who actually wrote the biography for Moose, who many of you may actually know as Eddie from the NBC sitcom Frasier. A good dog. A very good dog. A very good dog. <laughs> so we're excited to talk to him a little bit later. But before that, Megan, are you ready for Halloween? I am not because I don't have a costume. I realized I have, for some reason, I have two Halloween parties to attend this coming it's weekend. popular. I, again, I have two, there are two days out of the year in which I am often, like, I have, like, more than one thing to go to. And it's Halloween and, like, sometimes New Year's. See, again, people just want you at their parties. I um, So I don't know what I'm going to be. One of my sisters, my many sisters, works with us at the company. She's going to one of the Halloween parties with me, and we were just going to go as twins. I like it. But that doesn't work when I go to the second Halloween, like, Halloween party, and oh, I'm and just dressed in, like, jeans, like, an Adidas shirt and, like, the same shoes that she has. <laughs> so she has to come with me to the second one um, in order for it to work. And even then, that's, like— pretty lazy. Maybe then they'll just be like, you look cool. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Like you're wearing like what you wore to work yesterday. And I'll be like, no. Do you have a Halloween costume? I am still working out my costume. I love Halloween though. I know you do. This is like, I've been watching the scary movies left and right. Yeah. I saw the new Halloween this past weekend. How was weekend. that? It was really fun. Was it? That's what I heard. Um, It was like everything like you want that kind of movie to be, where it okay. was like not too much. All of the violence is like pretty comic booky. Yeah. And it was like, I'm not going to say, like, it was feminist. Oh, But, okay. like... It wasn't not feminist? It definitely, like, wasn't in, like, the long horror tradition of just, like, completely exploiting women. That's great. That's really helpful. Which is not to say women don't die. Right. But it's, like, they don't have to, like, show their hooties and then die. <laughs> and, like, the woman... They didn't who, die with their tits out. And, like, the girl who plays, like, Laurie Strode's granddaughter. Laurie Strode is Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank you. Her granddaughter is, like... It, in costume for the whole movie because it is on Halloween. Oh. But, like, she's dressed, like, in male drag. Oh, cool. So it's like, oh, she can run. Oh, right. <laughs> so she know? can, like, get away from the man in the mask who's trying to murder her. Yeah. Is that the plot? Okay, great. Um, and so I was, like, into that. <laughs> That's nice. Dirtcast listeners, if you have any suggestions for what I could be for Halloween to pull together in two days, email me. Yeah, email Megan. Please, megan.reynolds at jezebel.com. Thanks. <laughs> um, Ariana Grande is off the table. I thought about it, and I'm not going to do it. No, I, it would be a lot. Yeah, it would be a lot. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> um, anyway. Shall we I think. discuss the dirtiest dirt? Oh, my God. I would fucking love to. Let's do it. Love Springs Eternal. Ugh, as always. I love it. Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry, <gasps> back on. Yeah, This is like a celebrity couple I can kind of get behind. I love this because I feel like it's very weird. I, even though I know Russell Brand was like a poop face, he, for some reason, that pairing makes more sense to me than, like, that seems like someone she would date, but Orlando Bloom does not, and I don't know why. This is rude. Yeah. But I mean it in a nice way. Okay. I feel like they're both equally stupid. Yeah, totally. And so in that way, I think that they like— They're matched. 
yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sweet. Like all oh, these two dummies, a beautiful love match and yeah. stupidity. And like we cannot forget those pictures of Orlando Bloom <laughs> nude paddleboarding with Katy Perry in Italy or those wherever they were. Pictures are so good. <laughs> I loved how like in one of the magazines that I saw, like they like blurred his like wiener out, yeah. but they forgot to blur the shadow, so you just saw the full like. The full the, bloom like, silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, I hope in their relationship again, he feels free to paddleboard yeah. nude. Enjoy um, your life in, you know. Like Ibiza. Yeah. Or wherever you may have been. And what the good Lord gave you. Yeah, that's you know? right. I Sure, I'm always down to see celebrity dick. I feel like we don't see it nearly enough. Um, speaking, speaking of... of- <laughs> Except for this celebrity you know, dick. It's a celebrity dick that we see, we hear too much about. If I ever see this celebrity dick, I'm gouging my eyes out. Yeah. Sarah Silverman says that Louis C.K. jerked off in front of her consensually yeah. when they were kids. Like when they were says. basically like really like young comedy, comedians. Yeah, like comedy kids. And how he would like, he would ask her and she's like, yeah, sometimes I would say yes. And it was like funny. And other times I would say no. I and then we would go get pizza. truly cannot imagine any scenario in which I would say to like, I mean, unless she was like trying to fuck him, which I don't think she, I mean, who, who knows? I don't. Yeah. I don't know the point of her sharing this anecdote with the general public. Like, why? Clearly, why? she was, like, asked about it, which I think I've yeah. said on the show before. I think it's really irritating how women oftentimes have to, like, answer for the men in their lives. Yeah, totally. And also, like, how do you approach that when someone is your friend and you want to, like, have empathy for them right. while also being, like, what they did was wrong? Right. And she, like, clearly is trying to do that. Yeah. Like, where she was like, yeah, like, the difference is, like, we were of the same power level. There wasn't a power imbalance. And, you know, matter. she was like, it I was, mean- like— if that's what you're into, I guess. Yeah, well, one <laughs> of the women who— um, Rebecca Corey, Yeah, right? Rebecca Corey, yeah. who came forward against him in the New York Times, tweeted about it. And she said, to be real clear, CK had nothing to offer me as I, too, was his equal on the set the day he decided to sexually harass me. Yeah. He took away a day I worked years for and still has no remorse. He's a predator who victimized women for decades and lied about it. Yeah, great points. Yeah. Solid points there. But— I mean, and that is one thing that, like, Sarah Silverman was saying was, like, oh, we were, like, on the same level, so it wasn't. Yeah. But Sarah Silverman, to her credit, apologized to Corey right away. I mean, good. I just, I can't imagine wanting to see Louis C.K. jerk off. <sighs> I mean, I feel like a really good rule of thumb. Yes, or I'm ready. Dick, rule of dick. R-O-D. Is... Don't ask anyone to jerk off in front of them at work. Oh, my God. 100%. If you're in the workplace and you feel like you need to jerk off in front of somebody, literally don't. Like, stop. Right. So it's Don't like, do it. How about, like, yeah, no one's saying, like, hey, you can't have a consensual you, jerk off. You totally can. Who am I to judge? Hey, how about you don't bother your coworkers? Yeah, about how about it? she's working over there, huh? Yeah. She's doing something. Or, like, your colleagues, even. Or yeah. just, you know— Maybe just, like, only do that to people who you, like, are already sort of, like, having sex with. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, And don't use that necessarily as a precursor to the sex that you wish to have because I can think of nothing less sexy than watching fucking Louis C.K.'s ineffectual penis. Well, I mean, if it's effectual, it's uh, just not welcome. His unwelcome member. Ugh. Uh, But so Sarah Silverman, again, to her credit, apologized really quickly and said, Rebecca, I'm sorry. This is why I don't like weighing in. 
I can't seem to do press for my show without being asked about it, but you're right. You are equals and he fucked with you and it's not okay. I'm sorry, friend. You are so talented and so kind. Ay. I just like feel like there's kind of no way she could have answered that question right, but she like answered it very wrong. If I were Sarah Silverman, I think that question would have been a question that I would have anticipated. Like, yeah, for sure. Months like, ago. Have something ready. Have something ready other than this. I think you like, why wouldn't you just say like, I shouldn't have to answer for the actions of somebody. That's super easy to say. You, know? you don't need to like offer up your like weird example of like a why time. Why it was okay. Why it was just whatever. I mean, and good for like Rebecca Corey for just being like, no, that is not how it yeah, worked. No. And also like, because Sarah Silverman was very much like, he reached out to all of these women and yeah. made amends. And it's just like, actually, he like kind of ruined some of their careers. Yeah. And, and he's uh, doing fine. He's, yeah, it's like for as much money as he's lost, it's like there's more coming. Yeah, he's cobbling back together his comeback tour. So that's cool. This is fun. So problematic female comedian. <laughs> Amy Schumer is... She's having a baby. A baby. So the way she announced it was as follows. Let me see if I can remember the deets. She directed everybody to the Instagram story of a journalist and told them to like look there for news or whatever. And in the story, there was a screenshot and it was a notes app that lists that because the midterms are coming up, everybody vote, vote for good people, et cetera. She listed all of the people you should vote for in the midterm elections. And then at the bottom of the list, it says, I'm pregnant, Amy Schumer. I think it's funny. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she's always been political. Has she? Okay. I've, I've just, I try to ignore her because I like don't really care for her. I mean, she's been like going really hard about gun control. Yeah, that's true. For a long that time. is true. Next up, what do we have? Oh, oh boy. Okay. Okay. Stop. Now, speaking of perfect gifts, now this is a no brainer, all right? Now, this is a gun. Just your regular run of the mill meat and potatoes. Handgun. Now, how cute is that? I love how cute. that. Can we, we can pick this. it up. Oh, oh heavy. Oh, can I see uh, this? You can oh, hold wow. it. Sure. Wow. Look, Look at, at that. that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like a toy, but it's extremely real. Yeah, I and also, right. like, uh, she she got arrested at the Senate during oh, the Kavanaugh hearings. Okay, all right. I'll give her a little more credit. I mean, a great, a clever twist on the pregnancy announcement. Well, also, it's like a way of being like, hey, this is like what people should be focusing on. And also, here's like what you're going to focus on anyway. Right. And like, so we're going to like bury the lead. I don't know. I did not hate it. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. I'm pretty sure my reaction was like a large sigh. <clears throat> and then I asked someone to write a blog about it. <laughs> so that's my reaction to pretty much any news at this juncture. I mean, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> um, so good for her, her and the her husband, Chris Fisher. The cook, a at, cookman, he's a, a cook, chef. Uh, the chefman at Beetlebung Farm on the vineyard. I have like a complicated relationship with Amy Schumer. Okay. And again, I think she can be really problematic. Yeah. But I also think that she like does have talent. Yeah. Um, And I also agree. like she, I don't ever want to like discourage people from evolving, you know? No, that's true. Everyone, no, that's a good point. And if, if she's, if this is the beginning or the continuation of her evolution, then... Onward, ho. Yeah. But then you, like, think back about that interview with Lena Dunham about Odell Beckham Jr. She's at the Met Ball. And you're like, really? <laughs> it's just, it's a it's an up and then a down. I uh, mean, yes. it's, look, carry on. Carry What's on. What's the point of evolving if no one will let you, you That's know? That's true. Whoa. Wow. I'm going to take, take some time to think about that one.
all will remember, back to our Star is Born episode, I was mocked by Megan and our guest, Lindsay Weber. Ugh, I hate this. About thinking that the pop song, Why Did You Do That, wasn't supposed to be bad. The one that starts about the ass in In the the jeans. They both literally laughed in my face. We did. And said, oh, you thought that was just supposed to be good? Yeah. Guess what? Guess twist. It was supposed to be good. (laughs) Diane Warren, who is the songwriter responsible for many jams, including Cher's If I Could Turn Back Time and a song that I enjoy Because You Love Me by Celine Dion. She did an interview with The Times and she said that she, quote, would never purposefully sit down to write a bad song. And she said that she was told to show via the song that Allie was becoming a like a pop musician. And she her quote And she is, and Gaga wrote it together. Yeah, it was a co it was a co-writing situation. And she said, I love that her character defended her music. It doesn't have to be what he thinks music should be. Music can be everything. It can be a serious song, it can be a pop song, it can be a song about an ass. She has a great point. Um not everything has to be serious all the time, she adds. Not everything ha- that's also true. I mean, I do like that song, except for the beginning, because it is quite, quite catchy. Stuck in my head, like, a lot And then why did you do that? Is a bop. It is. Unfortunately, I sing it to the cats. I sing it to, like, the dishes. Anyway, just wanted to gloat. Cool. Thanks. Teen couple alert. Young 20s couple. Young young 20 to 4 couple. Anybody under 30 is just a teenager to me. A child, really. Lily Rose Depp and Timothy Chalamet are probably doing it. Well, so they've been like hanging out for a minute. Right. We've talked about this before, I believe. Yes. Yeah. But they have been spotted at Blue Ribbon Fried Chicken, which is a place that I've never been to, but considered many a time on the Lower East Side. Oh, it's great. Is it? I feel like I've always walked by and been like, "Mm, am I hungry? And then I'm never, I never am. You know who I saw there when I went there was Ang Lee. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. So they were there. They were eating chicken and they're making out. A gross food to make out over. I agree. I mean, it's real greasy. Well, it's just like there's a lot of like, yeah. Sauces. There's a lot of so- a lot of condiments, a lot of various liquids. Some from the, I mean, the, the chicken. I would not try to like eat a fucking drumstick and then make out with somebody Does, like in the ooh. same breath. Does Timote? Yeah. Have like some young Johnny Depp vibes? Oh no. Oh. Like they're both like very beautiful, beautiful young men. Ah, you know, looking at this photo of Timote, his neck is really long in a way that distresses me. I think his hair needs to be longer. In any case, Mm -hmm. um, maybe. Just like kind of like delicate featured. Right. Like sort of like a bad boy. But I mean, does he have like a bad boy reputation or like No, but I think he already has like an indie reputation. He has an indie reputation. Like he's already like someone who takes interesting roles. He does. I'm not saying that he's going to evolve into into, a Johnny Depp. Into Lily Rose Depp's father. I pray for him. Right. Every day. Light a candle. kind of see that there's like maybe some similarities there. But I mean, whatever. They're both hot. They enjoy, are both hot. Enjoy each other's young bodies. Be careful. <laughs> Wear protection. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. All to all the young hot people out there, enjoy touching the body of someone else consensually yes, who is also don't young and hot. Jerk off in front of your coworkers. Don't jerk off in front of your coworkers. But if you happen to be with your coworker and that person wants to like tongue kiss you over some chicken, then do it. excited to get into the history of some puppies. Oh, my God. We limited it to dogs. Rachel, our producer, had a question, which is, if you guys are both cat people, what's the deal? What's the point? Great question. I like cats because I have cats, but I only like my cats, really. I like dogs, but they are thirsty in a way that I categorically, like, I reject, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate them aesthetically. I want to go on record and say that I'm just generally an animal person. True. Like, I just really like animals in general. You except do. Except for birds. I hate birds. Um, Just because they're too prehistoric. Their darting motions are unsavory. And I think maybe their, like, frantic <sighs> behavior reminds me of, like, my own inner anxieties. But I just, like, really like animals in you general. You do. I grew up with dogs. I did, too. Actually, I grew up with German Shepherds, which is why... The first dog on our list yeah. speaks to me because it's Rin Tin Tin. Oh, my God. What a handsome devil. This is actually so fascinating. I did not know about this. Okay. Um, He was rescued from a World War I battlefield what? by a soldier, Lee Duncan. Uh, Lee Duncan nicknamed him Rinty. Uh, and trained uh, Rin Tin Tin and obtained silent film work for the dog. I love him. He was greatly responsible for uh, increasing the popularity of German Shepherds as family pets, which is always the worst part of any dog movie, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. People, like when people like got Dalmatians after 101 Dalmatians and Ugh. Dalmatians are actually like really not into kids. Aren't them. they like kind of like fussy? Yeah, they're kind of – they're kind of have like cat-like behavior. They're like – Oh, I love that. They just like want things on their terms. They also leak uric acid. That's an interesting fact. I feel like this is maybe the second time that you've told me this, and I don't know what the first time was. We passed one on the street, I think, and that was like an aside that you told me. I have a very weird knowledge of dogs. You do know, you know so much about dogs. It's like very nerdy, and I don't know really how. I mean, I love it. I love that you do because I love to like walk down the street and like see a dog, and then you tell me a lot about them X, Y, and Z, and then like. X1 about the dog, which is nice. It's because I, in college, took a, it's like the easy, like basically like the rocks for jocks class nice. at University of Wisconsin was the science of domesticated animals. That's, a, that's an incredible um, class that I would it was just, yeah, it happily was taken. Just me and like the football team. And we just talked about uh, different <laughs> types of animals. You and the Madison, the UW-Madison. The, the Badgers. The Badgers, that's right. But it was bullshit because they all got mopeds because it was at the farthest out building they on campus. They got mopeds? Yeah, they got of course they, they had did. to practice. I know. You know what? I had to take the bus because I was an English major. Right. Who's not good at Shunned. Sports. Shunned. Um, um, uh, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> his immense profitability contributed to the success of Warner Brothers Studios. Duncan, his 
trainer right walked him up and down a uh, poverty row talking to anyone in the position to put him in a movie it was a different time that sounds depressing yeah i mean i is it a different time <laughs> um i'm reading some things here about rintintin's death yeah. which seems to have been like a national like a national tragedy a national tragedy a period of mourning for the entire nation it happened in 1932 at his trainer's the depression home. rages on the depression rages on rintintin died everyone was very upset about it um this is a f- that is like the type of shit where i could see like i would be like a grapes of wrath, like dust bowl <laughs> farmer. And like the only thing that's like keeping me going is this like cute ass dog. And then it's like the <laughs> and dog dies. dies. And I can just be like, fuck it. Everything's <laughs> terrible. Like that is like something I would do now. The press made some light stories up about how Rin Tin Tin died. They said that he maybe died on the set of the film Pride of the Legion. Or that he died at home on the front lawn in the arms of the actress Jean Harlow. Lived on the same. I mean, that's like, I cannot imagine. I mean, I rue the day when my sweet angel Daisy shuffles off this mortal coil, but I do not think I would want to like hold my dying pet in um, my arms. It <sighs> sounds bad. Rintintin sort of like opened the door for dogs. He was a very famous dog, even though we don't really think about him anymore. If you want to see his grave, it's in Paris. It's oh, in the, it's in the famous pet cemetery in Paris. Oh, everyone. Get Not the pet cemetery with an S. Not the one where they come back and are zombies or whatever. I don't also don't know the plot of that because I hate scary things. But he, I mean, he does come back through his own uh, bloodline. Oh, right, right, right. There's many others. It's crazy. Like there's like still Rintintins out there. It's fucked up. In Susan Orlean's book, The Rintintin, The Life and Legend, he was cited in a divorce case. <laughs> Does that mean he like tempted? Someone? He was the yeah, he yeah, was very like handsome boy. The cuckolder, right. <laughs> um, he had 40 million fans and drank milk from a champagne glass. That's disgusting. I have some questions about the logistics of that. I yeah, guess. I feel like he, like a German Shepherd would just be like, blah, blah, and then just smash the glass. Right, like a sham, like a flute or like a coupe flat. I mean, oh yeah, like a, like one of the like we're both Marie making Antoinette we're both making like ones. the gross like boob hand gesture yeah. to indicate that one. That would make more sense, right? Because you're not going to serve him milk in a flute because his his snout would yeah. interfere. But I will say that German Shepherds, the way they drink water is fucking disgusting. Because it's just like, yeah, and like then disgust. they hold it in their mouths and then they just walk over to you and then open their mouths and just drop it in your lap. What? It's so annoying. Why? Because they're little buttheads. Ew. I think Um, they're just like, oh, got you. (laughs) That's gross. I don't. Okay. Well. Oh, my God. Rintintin was mentioned in Anne Frank's diary. That's really, that's very touching and sad. He's a, that is touching and sad, actually. Okay. Here is a dog that I think I really liked as a child. Terry who was a Cairn Terrier who played Toto in The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, the Judy Garland version. Very, very, very precious animal. Look, there's Toto. Where'd he come from? Why, don't you see? He's come to take us to Dorothy. Come on, fella. Extremely well-trained, very handsome and beautiful. Um, she apparently did her own stunts, which I love. Good for her. Um, so she jumped out of that Mrs. Gulch's basket. Yeah. One of the guards stepped on her foot and broke it. That actually, like, reading that last night fucked me up. That's awful. And she recuperated at Judy Garland's home. Yeah, they thought she was going to die. Yeah, but she didn't. She survived. Judy Garland wanted to fucking adopt her, which I completely understand. Total, darling. Oh, I got you back. You came back. 
but her trainer, a man named Carl Spitz, refused. I could see him being like, yeah, it's my dog. Yeah, like, fuck you. Like, I'm making money off this thing. And also just like... Like, go away. Like, you're on quaaludes. Like, you're not. (laughs) This is a lovely fun fact also. Her salary was $125 a week. In the olden days, that was a lot of money. In normal times, that's about $2,200 a week in 2017 dollars. That is more money than many of the human actors in the movie. That does not surprise me. And more than most Americans working at that time. That doesn't surprise me either. It wouldn't surprise me if you're like, the munchkins were all like slaves of the studio. I would just be like, yeah, that makes, I believe that. Yeah. I I mean, sure. Fair. There's a permanent memorial to her. The Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los Angeles seems like a great place to visit and pay your respects if you desire. Here's another fun fact. She's apparently afraid of the wind machines used on the set of The Wizard of Oz. And to that, I say, me too. Yeah. Also, she's like 10 pounds. Yeah. She's going to get whipped away. My bag weighs more than her. Also, they, like, officially changed her name to Toto. Yeah, her name which was is interesting. originally Terry, and now she is rebranded as Toto, like, was rebranded as Toto for, like, her whole life. And the Hollywood studios do it again. Fuck up another starlet. <laughs> cool. Thanks for break that. Her, break her dang leg. Oh, my Lord. She went on to—she kept—she made more movies. Yeah, she, she did. She bred, and her child was in movies. Her child's name was Rami. I think she's Romy. also the only uh, uh, female dog on our list. Wow. For some reason, they really favor male dogs. I don't understand because here's the thing with the male dog. Their dick is always around, and that's why I don't like boy dogs. Um, I mean, usually they're, like, in a pouch. I know, but, like, <laughs> I don't And then know. they kind of go, they, like— I, They emerge. They emerge. Depending. Um, Happens with cats, too, it d- we no, all know. We, I really don't like— um, I don't. I don't really care for an animal penis. That's fine. Thank you. I thought so. It would be really weird if you were like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be really. That'd be deeply fucked up. Lassie was a fun. Do- you know, I, I like Lassie's look, but I feel like what stresses me out about all like collies is that they have such needle, narrow little, faces. like a little needle nose. And I don't. I like my. I like my animals to look a little more like squish. I want them to look a little bit more like a pork bun. Um, okay. In the face and um, body. Yeah, so Lassie was a rough collie. The very first Lassie movie, Lassie Come Home, was released in 1943, an MGM movie um, based on a 1940 novel by Eric Knight in which a poor mining family is forced to sell their dog who finds her way back to them from Scotland to England. Mm. So Lassie was played by a male dog named Pal. Mm. Great, um, great dog name. He actually replaced a female dog, just Rude. pushing a woman out of work. F you, pal. He was cast as a stunt dog, but basically the original dog refused to do a really dangerous stunt, which mm, smart. was understandable because they were trying cookie. to make her, like, swim across an actually flooded river. Yeah. Um, and she looked at that and was like, mm, she was like, fuck that. I don't know, guys. Um, I got to go. Yeah, she's like, I value my life. I have shit to do. And she, like, uh, walked away. But then Pal, you know, just Duh. just waiting to catch the crumbs. The dregs. The dregs. Pal saw, you know, he's an opportunist. Yeah. He saw a moment. He's like that chorus girl that just, like, waits in the background. Yes. Maybe I, maybe gives gives the star a little shove down the stairs. Just no to, like, style. shove on the way to the mirror and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
pal was like, oh, I'll fucking do it. I got this. I got this, man. And then he did it. And then, oh, no. And then he, they, were like, they were like, yeah, let's just use yeah, let's just the brave dumb one. This guy's got it. He'll be fine. But they also apparently like using male dogs because they tend to be bigger. Uh, that makes sense. And so, like, they like child actors don't outgrow them as quickly. <laughs> and also, like, their coats tend to be, like, lusher. Oh, rude. He was one of 1,500 dogs who auditioned for the role. It's a lot of dogs. He was rejected originally because he was male, his eyes were too big, <laughs> his head too flat, <laughs> and a white blaze ran down his forehead. Um. That is... <laughs> That makes him kind of like fun. I don't know. I mean, do I feel bad for Pal? No. I think Pal. Pal had did great. Fine. He did good. He had a good life. Um, he uh, Lassie is a show that I like. Never really think about that often, but I can picture Lassie the dog in my head. Obviously, um, a Lassie historian named Ace <laughs> Collins uh, said that Lassie took the traditional role of the dog on film from comic relief to focal point of the story. Lassie was responsible also from dogs being moved out of the yard and into the house. Um, oh, Lassie really made some made some steps for dogs in general. But Lassie also created the expectation that you could get a dog without having to train them. That part of Lassie's legacy is, I think, we are still feeling the effects of that now in 2018. Pal had, like, a bajillion pups who had a bajillion pups. And, like, basically, like, they every Lassie has, like, been a part of that lineage. That's fucked up. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's like, who do they think they are? You know, the Curtis family? Maybe. Do they think they're the Barrymores? <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> the Voights. You're just going to—we could, we could do this all day. Jumping ahead to our childhood. Yes, please. We have Chris and the other St. Bernards who played Beethoven uh, in the Beethoven franchise. Ba- I love a St. Bernard. A St. Bernard and a Bernese Mountain Dog are like my ideal dogs. They're both very large. They both drool a lot. Yeah. You they're large enough where you could possibly put your small child on them and like give them a little slap on the rump and see if they like take them for a walk around like the living room. I also just love the name Chris for a dog. Chris with a K for a dog <laughs> is like I like I like an animal with a human name because I feel like that's better than calling it like mittens. According to people, life after the movie was what you would expect for supersized <laughs> dog Chris, who starred in the first two Beethoven movies. Says trainer Teresa Miller, Chris was a 200-pound St. Bernard being lazy and drooly and hanging around the house. Same. Throughout the dog's retirement, he stayed at home uh, with Miller's late father, a longtime animal trainer. That is... I identify with Chris. I'm also a 200-pound St. Bernard. Lazy, drooly, hanging around the house. So there were actually, in like the following movies, there were three St. Bernards playing Beethoven. That's so uh, many fucking dogs, they were better at certain things. Interesting. Um, So one named Benz did most of the tricks and physical activities. Way to go, Benz. Congrats. Dolly, a female. Ooh, Mm -hmm. she snuck in. Oh, hey, girl. Acted well with puppies and children. Typical. Mm. Uh, So she was called upon when puppies were used in certain scenes. Beethoven 2, hello. Okay. And Boomer was the third actor, (laughs) bringing to the set his particular skills, which included drooling and doing unusual scenes like being covered in mud. I am Boomer. (laughs) Oh, this is a fun fact. Eleanor Keaton, who is Buster Keaton's widow, raised and trained several of the dogs involved in this very... enthralling franchise. I love that, actually. <laughs> um, I, who knew? Did Buster Keaton do anything bad? I feel like no. Ugh, not to my like knowledge. He's like the, the fun one that we don't know anything bad about yet. Yeah, I mean, there's still time. If 
you know something that Buster Keaton did, tell us. Let us know. Tell us immediately. This is who we're going to be talking about a lot more later. Yeah. We have Moose, the dog who played Eddie on Frasier from 1990 to 2006. Really cute. Eddie. Eddie. As you yeah. may know him. He just would not get off that chair. <laughs> He was, like, on the cover. What was he on the cover of, like, Time or something? I think it's so. It's just, like, the best dog. <laughs> yeah, the best dog in the world. Let's talk about Bradley Cooper's dog for a brief moment. Yeah, a pup is born on the set of A Star is Born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the dog, as those of you who may have seen A Star is Born once or twice, no judgment. There's a dog named Charlie who is the cutest fucking dog. It's I've, a labradoodle. It's a labradoodle. It's the cutest thing I've seen in a long time. It is my ideal dog because of its hair texture, general nature, affability, et cetera. And it is Bradley Cooper's dog. Yeah. Bradley Cooper, just like nepotism. Oh, my fucking God. I'm just going to turn and show Madeline this photo of this fucking thing. Um, yeah. He looks like, I can't uh, like deal. he's like a mop with a face. He's uh, so cute. His scenes near the end of the film made me very upset. We're not talking about it. We're not it. talking about it because I will certainly cry. But Bradley Cooper got an award from PETA. I mean, PETA's a nonsense PETA's crazy. So but I just want to. It's here's here's the here's the news on that. PETA announced that they created an inaugural prize called the Compassion and Film Award. They gave it to Bradley Cooper for casting his dog in his film. PETA Senior Vice President Lisa Lang said, Bradley Cooper's happy, adorable, and much-loved dog steals the spotlight and viewers' hearts in this film because it's clear that he loved being with his real-life dad. PETA has witnessed so much abuse and neglect of dogs, both on and off set, that we're hoping Cooper's kind decision sets a precedent for all of Hollywood to follow. While it is a very nice review, I do not think all of Hollywood is going to, like, mine their, like, actual pets for movies, but I do think that Bradley Cooper made the right decision with the dog. <laughs> That's funny. He actually, I made that joke about nepotism. The nepotism joke, yeah. He said, there was no nepotism. I wanted this relationship with the dog. The couple in the movie don't yeah. have a child together, but they have a dog together, and I wanted to be a part of their story. I love dogs. That meant a lot for him to be in the film. I don't think he cared. I mean, he, um, he has an agent. Happy. Oh, he's being funny now. Yeah, okay. He has an agent. I don't talk to him <laughs> anymore. He doesn't return my calls. He always walks away from me unless okay. I Okay, all right, Dad. Pull, pull it together, Pops. That's great. On the ringer, Lindsay Zolads wrote, A teddy bear of a pup whose unforgettable performance combines the selfless daring of Lassie uh, with Same. a hint of Eddie from Fraser's sass Same. and the emotional gravitas of the wise gold, old golden retriever in Homeward Bound. <gasps> Homeward Bound? Not only is a star born, a boy is also good. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, he was a good boy. He was the light of the second half of that film. And uh, I love him. And if I saw this dog on the street, I would have a really hard time stopping myself from, like, running up to him and screaming. But I won't do that because I'm never in L.A. So now we're going to move on from sort of this uh, history, this lineage of famous dogs, and actually talk to Brian Hargrove, who is a 
producer of television, of theater. Um, He's a writer. He has written musicals. He also is actually the husband of David Hyde Pierce, uh, who is Niles on Frasier. And he wrote the biography of Moose, better known as Eddie, which is called My Life as a Dog. And it's about to be released on ebook. So we're really excited to talk to him. So let's just like jump in. Um, I would like to know, so how is writing an animal biography different than writing a person's biography? Well, it's a good question because, of course, I mean, I, I had to pretty much make it out of whole cloth, um, except that the facts in it about Moose are true. I mean, he, he was born in Florida. All the birth and all of that, that's all true. Um, and, uh, you know, he's... <laughs> I sometimes I get confused myself. I don't know if you've got a chance to read the book, um, but um, it's uh, the book is as told to me by Moose. He he basically tells everyone that he dictated it. I mean, let's be honest, he he didn't dictate it. He dictated <laughs> some of it, but not all of it. He says that he was um, he had always intended to be an actor. Uh, what I did was um, I, I was I'd always wanted to be an actor, so I just uh, put myself in Moose's um. Uh, pause. <laughs> pause, exactly. Uh, he would call it substitution. That's what actors do, substitution. And I pretty much charted my career if I had had Moose's career, because uh, I went to Juilliard, and so there's a there's a dog in there that went to Juilliard. Moose did not. He was more of a sort of a seat-of-the-pants kind of acting. But um, he... Uh, so I sort of put like what it was like to go be a, a struggling actor in either New York or L.A., and, uh, and then hitting it in a big television show. So that's how, that's how it came about writing the Moose book. It's why Moose chose me, because I had such a, 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 back, a, a background, which he would have wanted to have if he, you know... Had the privileges. Uh, been, been as conscious as I am. <laughs> sure. Um, and did you get into this, like, into the Moose story through David, or was that not the right order of it? Actually, no. Well, um, it could have been. I mean, Dave and I have been together since uh, uh, 1983, so um, I, I I could have gone through David. But as a matter of fact, I knew Mathilde uh, de Cagney, who was, I think, mentioned in the book. She was Moose's handler um, and uh, or slave, as uh, <laughs> Mathilde would like to say. But um, – and um, – she asked me, she was saying, listen, I'm, um, I've been approached about doing a, a book about Moose, and I, I'm looking for a writer. I mean, she wasn't actually asking me. She said, can you think of somebody who might want to do this? I, uh, can, you, can you think of one of the Fraser writers that might be um, more appropriate than the others? Because, because Matilda and I were, were close friends. And I said, well, um, I could do it. And because uh, I thought, well, I, who else, could, uh, who's better than me? I love dogs. And well, I mean, of course, there are better people than me. I mean, Stephen King would have you know, made it a horror. But anyway, but I thought I'm sort of the perfect person to do this, and I, I knew Moosey really well and had grown up with Frazier and, uh, and knew all of the parties involved, so I sort of had inside access. Um, it was like inside the uh, actor's studio or the uh, dog kennel studio, whichever. But anyway, I knew all the stories about Moose, and I could talk to people directly, so that's how I ended up writing the book. Oh, that's perfect. Um, and I, I'd never written a book before, but uh, it seemed to me uh, we had this agent who apparently is no longer an agent anymore, and um, I'm not sure. I, I we we I'm not sure what happened there. So they were just like, "We'll never sure. make a book this good um, again." <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, anyway, so so she was like, um, uh, said this is what I need to do. So I put it all together. I pitched it. We sold it, and then, um, I mean, for me, and and the, I don't want to make this about me, but uh, too late now. I know because no, please. But um, I I had at the same time was uh, creating a show uh, with my former writing partner, um, a show called Titus, with my former writer writing partner Christopher Titus and we had gotten a pickup from Fox and I thought oh my gosh this is all coming at once and I'm never going to sleep again but right. fortunately our show uh, good for me and actually we're talking okay for the show we got a um, they moved us to a mid-season pickup so I had that all of fall to write the book and uh, and so Moose and I worked you know 24-7 um, for about two months there and we got it done um, that, I'm just impressed with both of your work ethics. <laughs> That's right. Well, but it's so funny because uh, so much of the book comes from, well, you know how, um, especially um, dogs like moose, they, they, they basically do think the world sort of uh, revolves around them. For sure. And it, particularly giant Russell Terriers. And uh, new, uh, moose thinks that the entire show, although he says in the book that they built, basically built, show Frazier around him and they just like Kelsey to think that they had built it around him because <laughs> it just made him feel better and Moose's you know he's got such a he's so empathetic with other um, creatures that he was okay with that he would as long as he got all the money he was fine with Frazier th- with Kelsey thinking that the show was about him that was very but, generous um, uh, the actual casting of uh, Moose was um he didn't have to. He didn't have to audition. It's true. Um, uh, David Lee and Peter Casey, who were the creators of uh, Frasier, along with um, David Angel, who uh, unfortunately was in one of the planes on 9/11. Uh, but the three of them went out to this um, to to meet uh, Matilda and the people that do uh, dogs, provide dogs and animals for uh, television and movies, and um, they. They said, well, let's, they looked at all the dogs, and I said, well, what about that one? And uh, David said, what about that one? And Peter said, yeah, that's okay. And so that was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he just had that it factor. I mean, the show was brilliant, and it was one of those shows that uh, I'm sure you've had these experiences, and probably uh, with your show now, um, it's kind of happened, where everything just comes together, and it's like, it just all works. And it's one of those, I, it's kind of kismet, uh, if you will. Yeah. And this is one of those. They didn't really know that, that Moose had this habit of just staring at people or things that he wanted. And boy, was that lucky. Don't stare at me, Eddie. I'm a humane man, but right now I could kick a kitten through an electric fan. Yeah, because again, like you said, his like gaze was so iconic in its own way. Exactly. And the thing was... um. Needless to say, and with everything like that, once they discovered it, they wrote to it. Um, and <laughs> the thing I was going to say that's needless to say was everyone across the country would go out and buy these Jack Russell Terriers and expect them to sit there and look at them as they ate breakfast. And Jack Russells are not like that. No, they're uh, like they crazy. Are full of energy, and they will drive you nuts unless you exercise them and give them as much time really more time than there is in the day. Well, aren't they uh, bred? Or they'll tear up your house. Yeah. They'll, um, uh, they'll, they'll try to escape. Moose often tried to escape. That's a whole chapter in the book, too. He always trying to get away. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, his lower teeth 
uh, as he got as he got older, his lower teeth had been whittled down so much from cho- chewing his way out of places that he could no longer hold a ball. Oh no, he and was that, just uh, that all of the uh, many of the tricks, especially in the last um, five or six years of Frazier, were done by uh, Enzo, his uh, son. Right, because he's like of a long lineage, right? Or like he yes, exactly. Yeah. Is the horny little mixed breed who got my Phoebe pregnant? <laughs> There's no way that Eddie could be the father. He's been neutered. Oh, really? Well, then how do you explain these? Oh, my God! <laughs> the miniature Eddies. Anything else let me tell you about Moose? Um, um. He, uh... His training was, um, he pretty much did everything for treats. Like, yeah. uh, and that was a little thing. I think it was a little off-putting for some of the actors. Uh, because Moose was a dog that you could pet and love, but he really was only interested in getting treats. Right, he was... And, uh, so I, he wasn't the warmest of people, but that stars are like that, or they can be. I think Moose probably had that guard that sometimes uh, stars get. Well, and I feel like Kelsey Grammer is sort of famously that way, too, where maybe that's... Because they didn't get along, right? I feel like Kelsey said... In, in his autobiography, Kelsey said that... Uh, he and the dog did not like each other. Um, and I think he also told that to people. Yes. Um, yeah, I, you know, funny, I didn't, I, I went, oh, Kelsey has a virus. Um, <laughs> um, between you and me, it is, almost 20 years. it is not but, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they didn't really, it was kind of bad. They didn't, um, they had a, 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 a professional respect for each other. I think that's what it came down to. <laughs> That's good. Um, and uh, sometimes Kelsey would say, oh, come on, damn it. Do we have to have the dog in the scene? And I think that Moose just felt like um, it was sheer jealousy. That's just the way it was. I mean, I could see it, you know? I know. He's a show stealer. There's a reason they say don't go on stage with dogs and animals. I mean, with uh, <laughs> children and, and animals. Um, kids. Children. Yeah. Dogs are animals. Well, they're not really, if you ask them. Maybe that was why uh, Moose was trying to escape so much at the end. Is he's just like, it's time for my spinoff. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pitch this to Fox. I'm gonna go find someone else. We'll put my sitcom on the air. Well, I mean, it's funny because I did um, pitch and sell uh, a, a uh, television movie to NBC about uh, Moose's uh, rise to uberstardom, and. Um, it looked like it was going, I mean, they, they bought the script and everything, and it looked like it was going to be uh, greenlit. And then um, Martha Stewart had to go to prison, and, and they turned that into a television movie, and it got huge ratings, right? And so the scandal was um, so that sort of a trashy, almost National Enquirer, uh, no offense to people that like the Enquirer, but um, <laughs> it's okay. uh, that kind of... Um, take on stories was what they start they wanted then from then on to do television movies about and i tried to get moose to do something that like you know get caught selling drugs to cash sure. or something but he wouldn't do it he has too much uh to morals to um as he would say whore himself out for that kind of thing <laughs> so uh, our very kind of sweet uh movie about uh this lost lost and found dog becoming a major star uh, uh didn't get made oh no but, uh, I still have the script if anybody's interested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, our Sorry. podcast is uh, not as successful as Frasier, believe it or not, but uh, maybe we'll get the word out there that it's time. The people are ready for a moose movie. 
Anyway, it, 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 what can I say? I've, I've gone on to other things, and uh, and Moose, he's tired. You know, he's 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 living on his fame and his well, he was living on his fortune and right. quite happy with the success that he had gotten, and, and he didn't want to do something else unless it could be as good as Frasier. And Which is so tough. He sort of uh, told Matilda he wouldn't um he wouldn't do television anymore. He would only do movies and. Uh, <laughs> He wanted that gold yeah. statue. He wanted that Oscar. That's right. That's right. And then after that, he wanted a Tony. <laughs> yeah, he had to EGOT. And, and he wanted to put out a country uh, uh, music album, but uh, I'm sorry, a, DVD, a CD. Yes, but, of um, course. Nobody was interested in that either. Oh, man. It's like, Moose, you've got one note. Right. All he can do is howl. Songs, but around one note, it's just not going to work. So, <laughs> so having uh, seen what it's like to be an animal on set, and getting kind of the inside scoop on that, and also being the parent to dogs yourself, uh-huh. would you ever let your dog children go into entertainment? <laughs> well, I, you know, I've I've seen the um, the the stage fathers uh, and fathers because uh, when I was not, I used to do commercials, and I just I just don't think I could do that to, to mooses. I don't think anybody should do that to their kids. Um, you know. Uh, Give them a good life, let them have a good education, and then if they decide they want to be actors or actresses, that's fine. Sure. But, um, you know, unless you need to pay for doggy school, um, I don't think I would I would send my dog out to be in business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like um, you got to let them choose their own path, you know? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it is It is really funny thinking of, I mean, it's also depressing, I guess, but thinking of all of these people, you know, getting Jack Russell Terriers because of uh, Frasier or getting Dalmatians because of 101 Dalmatians or getting, you know, Collies or German Shepherds or whatever. Like, they just have no idea how much work it's going to be, where I think Jack Russell no, is... They, they don't, and actually, it did become a problem. Um, they, they uh, people did, like... Re- want to return the dogs and often did when they didn't when they realized that wait a minute this isn't Betty right uh this is a real dog that has needs and is not going to just sit there patiently and watch me eat um and so they really it was it was actually kind of a problem they would uh the Jack Russell breeders would say would tell people look know what you're getting in for because particularly the Jack Russells and Dalmatians too as we know can be uh um they're very standoffish. Not, uh, not always yeah. sane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been for all those years. Um, well, these stories have been super delightful, and I don't want to keep you from your work much longer. Um, so thank you just so much for even just, like, w- being willing to go back down uh, this memory lane with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. And, by the way, Moose, uh, the Moose is a very expensive book. Well, it's not expensive. It's, like, on the odd lot, but it costs very, uh, it costs a lot of money to have them sent to you. But um, we're about to print the book out uh, as an ebook, so I might just put a plug in for that. Oh, perfect. Um, given that I'm doing all the work, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Brian Hargrove. This episode was produced by Rachel Withers and was mixed by Corey Shreppel. Manana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. You can find us on Spotify, NPR One, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. 
Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.